0: You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. Hey guys, this is Pastor Vlad inviting you to a Race to Deliver 2018 conference with Apostle Gen Chi. Every year we've been seeing people get healed, delivered, and set on fire to pursue God. And 2018 conference will be no different. We would love to see you here. If you want more information, just go to our website, hungrygen.com slash conference. And now, let's get to the message. Thank you. How you guys doing this afternoon? Yeah, I figured out why you call it Hungry Generation. It's because you go through church during lunch. <laughs> that was a lame joke. You don't have to laugh at that one. I did go. We got some tacos, though. I appreciate that. I had some fish tacos. Wonderful. Where were we at? Cezone? El Cezone? Shout out to them. I'm sponsored by them this afternoon. So, cool. Well, yeah, I want to welcome everyone here, everyone watching online as well. Thank you guys for joining with all of us here. Uh, Yeah, so my name is Phil Gunger. I come from Green Bay, Wisconsin. I had a couple of woos, that's Okay. I get it, the Seahawks. I'll tell, you wh- I'll tell you one thing, though. The Lord moves in Green Bay, man. We're clearly a favored team because what other team could throw up as many Hail Marys as us and actually have them completed? So we know, we know the Lord's answering prayers. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's good to be here with you guys. Uh, so I... Uh, run a ministry with my father. It's called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. His name is Mark Gunger. You guys ever seen any of his videos and stuff? Yeah. As we explained, I'm not him. (laughs) Yeah, once I got confused, everyone thought I was him. Kept telling me how young I looked, how good looking I was. And then it kind of dawned on me, they think I'm a 63-year-old man. (laughs) So not, not me. I'm very young. Very young. I turned forty this year, but it's a young forty. Forty is new. Thank you. <laughs> so cool. yeah, I love that. You guys just need to follow me around every place I go. That's nice. So cool. So yeah, uh, I am in. I am in fact married, which is helpful when you are a marriage speaker. Gives you some credit credibility. Uh, married eighteen years tomorrow. Yes, and I have four lovely kids and stuff, so my wife was just checking in with me. and uh, It's funny. Uh, my boys, you know, I have three boys and one little girl, and the boys are always fighting about stuff. It's hilarious. So she knows this, and I always tease them about it, so she sent me this picture of them, and it's one smiling and the other one kind of staring at the other one, and she said, they're literally fighting about how to smile for the photo for Dad. <laughs> So sweet, precious, precious boy. So, okay. So, yeah, so we're going to be talking about marriage today. Now, I know some of you might be single here hoping to get married. Uh, It's good to hear about this stuff. Good to find out about crazy before you get there. Yeah. Uh, Some here who are married, and this will be good for you guys as well. And uh, since the series this month is called Relationship Goals, I figured I would do this message, which I think is a good relationship goal. It is called How to Stay Married and Not Kill Anyone. I think that's victory right there if you all stay alive, right? <laughs> so cool. So, all right, so uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to put you guys on a committee, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to go back some like 4,000 years, back to the time of King David, all right? And I'm going to put you on this panel. And we need to decide out of King David's five wives which one is going to become the mother of the next king of Israel, which is going to be King Solomon, all right? And then she'll eventually go on to be the great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus, All right, so you got five wives. Now, the first one, you would think it should be her because she's got dibs, right? She's first. But we know it's not her because David stopped sleeping with her, which is easier to do when you got four more waiting for you, right? (laughs) And then on the other side, you got number five. Now, number five is, I know, you keep yelling at me to keep this microphone. There we go. Is that better? All right. Number five is Bathsheba. And I don't know if you know the story about Bathsheba, how she came around. So she is out uh, taking a bath. And uh, this was before indoor plumbing, apparently. (laughs) So she's just hanging out there, cleaning. And uh, (laughs) King David, he's walking along, and he sees her. And he's like, wow, who's that? So it's a crazy story. So he hooks it up where he meets this girl. He seduces her, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, kills off her husband. So he can marry her. It's not exactly a holy union, right? In fact, the only reason she's there, you could say, is because of lust, lying, adultery, and murder. All right? But she's in there, so she's number five. Uh, So we need to decide kind of who this is going to be, but we're going to push pause on that. We'll come back to this, okay? So just kind of think that one through. Um, If you are going to stay married for a lifetime... You, number one, have to avoid bitterness and resentment. Amen? Amen. It might sound easy to do, but what happens is one person will begin to feel resentment towards the other person if they feel the weight of the relationship is unfairly falling on them. All right, now the one who's bearing the weight is really a matter of perspective because men and women score things very differently, right? See, men are very quick to give ourselves huge bonus points for everything we do is true. You take a man's day. Here's how a man would score his day, okay? The man gets up in the morning. For that, 500 points. (laughs) He goes off to work. He works hard, provides for his family, brings financial stability to his family. For that, 3,000 points. After work, he comes straight home doesn't go out to the bars or chase women for that, hey, 1,500 points. When that dude comes home, he's got like 4,500 points. This is why a man has a problem, no problem, sitting down and contributing nothing. Because see, in his mind, he's way up in points for the day. And now it's your turn to catch up. (laughs) All the men are real quiet. (coughs) Now, man, there's some guys out there that just get mad if their wives ask him to do anything. Oh, you asked me to do anything? Because in their mind, they're way up in points for the day, and it's your turn to catch on up, all right? I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you how they think, (laughs) all right? And the problem, though, guys, is women score things a little different, right? See, a woman would score that same man's day very differently. She would see that her husband gets up. She loves him, appreciates him. She goes, ding, one point. He goes off to work. He works hard. She loves that about him. She appreciates the financial stability he brings into the family. For that, she looks at him and goes, ding. One point. He comes home, doesn't go out to the bars and chase other women. She loves him, appreciates him. She gives him, ding, one point. Now, she also got up. She also went to work, got the kids ready, took them to school, took them to piano lessons, made dinner. Dude, At the end of the day, she's got like 13 points. It's 13 to three. And now you don't want to do anything you bum. (laughs) Right? We just score very differently. Now what happens is guys hear this and they go, oh man, are you kidding me? No matter what I do, I get one lousy point. (laughs) Yes. But there's good news in this, guys, okay? I'm going to help you out. I am going to help show you how you can focus on the little things. Because see, for a woman, any simple act of kindness earns the same as a big act of kindness. All right? A lot of guys don't get it. Hence the reason they don't do anything. Okay? (laughs) But the truth is, I mean, guys, it's all about the big stuff. Right? The world of men, it's about who's first. Second place is just the first loser. (laughs) It's the biggest thing. It's being number one. It's about arguing over who's smiling better for dad's photo. (laughs) It is. It starts in the world of little boys, right? And this is the reason why men go all out like four times a year, right? You've got the birthday. You've got the anniversary. You've got Christmas. And you have the obligatory Valentine's Day. And he'll go all out. He'll do something really nice, bring it on the girl, and then goes, that ought to hold her, but it does not hold her. Because see, in her mind, you've done four things all year, you bum, <laughs> all right? And <laughs> hey, do guys hear this, and they get discouraged, like, oh, my goodness. No matter what I do, one point, yes, but guys, it's okay. I'm going to show you how you can earn really easy points by doing virtually nothing, all right? <laughs> Which all the men said, amen. You know, there's a guy, uh, uh, John Gray. He wrote the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. If you've ever read that, he has an analogy in his book where he talks about uh, men and roses. He says, you know, if a man brings his wife a rose, she'll look at it and she'll go, thank you. Ding, one point. So the guy reasons to himself, one rose equals one point. A dozen roses equals 12 points. So he goes out buys a bunch of long stem, beautiful roses, spends a bunch of money, hands it to the girl, stands back, and she goes, ding! (laughs) One point. Now, by a show of hands, all the ladies here, how many of you would rather receive one rose 12 different times than a dozen roses one time? I know it freaks out the guys. (laughs) That's so inefficient. (laughs) It is. Now, one of the greatest stories about this is uh, at one of the seminars, a gal who works for us, she brought her husband. It was the first time he'd been at the seminar. It it comes on this part, and all the women raise their hand, and you should have seen the look on this guy's face. What? (laughs) Like blew his mind. So he thinks he's going to work the system. So he comes up with an idea. (laughs) So the lady, she comes into work on Monday, and she goes... You will never guess what my husband did. I'm like, ooh, I want to hear this. What do you do? She's like, so you remember that part in the seminar? And all the women raised their hands, said they'd rather receive, you know, one rose 12 different times. It just blew his mind. She says, so I come home. And I pull into the driveway, and there in the front lawn is a rose bush. <laughs> I go, that's awesome. It is not awesome. She says, I go inside the house. And I go, what is that? He said, well, that's a rose bush. So now you can have a rose anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 that's so wrong. He was so dumb. <laughs> that's hilarious. She was so mad. I, I still think it's funny. As I, but listen. Guys, she does not care about your efficiency. She responds to simple acts of kindness. All right? That's how you got her to fall in love with you in the first place. How do you think you got such a cute girl? She knows you're ugly. (laughs) It's simple acts of kindness. All the ladies, oh, he's fine. (laughs) But there's great news in this, guys. I'm gonna show you how you can win points with a woman by doing virtually nothing. Here is one. When you get up in the morning, you crawl out of bed, turn around, make the bed. It takes all of what, 60 seconds? She'll look at that and she'll go, oh, he made the bed. Ding! (laughs) One point. How about you go into the bedroom over by that monument of dirty underwear that you're building there on the floor. (laughs) This means something. (laughs) How about you pick that up and you take it and you drop it into the dirty laundry hamper? That takes what, 15, 20 seconds? She'll see it and go, ding, one point. Now ladies, the reason men do not just pick up their underwear and throw them away is not because we are evil. All right. It is just because it doesn't mean much to us. You know, the truth is most men could live like hamsters. (laughs) Wad up some paper, eat here, poop there, we're good. (laughs) Simple as that, but she's not a hamster, guys, okay? So you pick it up, put it away. Here's another one. When you are done eating dinner, instead of slothing away, To the couch like Jabba the Hutt. (laughs) How about you take the dirty dishes, take them, and you put them in the sink, put them in the dishwasher? She'll look at that and she'll go, ding! One point. What'd that take? 30 seconds? Now you want to know how you can earn some real easy points, guys. You plan to take the girl someplace really nice, you say, yeah, and then you surprise her. No, you amateur. (laughs) You tell her about it. Because the second you tell her about it, (gasps) ding, one point. Ooh, (laughs) ding. Sorry. What note was that? (laughs) Then, okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And you've done nothing up to this point, correct? Correct. Now, here's a great thing about this, is because she's a woman, she's going to tell all the other women in her life what you're going to do. And every time she's telling one of those ladies, ding, ding, (laughs) you're earning simple points. (laughs) Now, Now, check this out. There's even something even better. Every time your wife tells the wife of another husband, not, not only are you earning a point, that poor slob of that other wife is losing a point. <laughs> That's a net gain of two, okay? You win one, he loses one. That's a win-win. <laughs> now listen, you guys want to earn some really simple points? Easiest way a guy can score points with a woman by doing virtually nothing, is to simply engage the woman in meaningful conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, now he's getting to the good stuff. (laughs) Let's go into that a little bit more. Spend some more time talking about it. Now, listen, meaningful for a lot of women, it means she talks, you zip it. All right? Now, you can't just zone out and go, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. She will discover that, and she will take away all your points, okay? (laughs) But listen, when she's talking, every time you simply acknowledge what she says, you're going to get, ding, one point. You're going to keep showing me how I can't find, what is that, a B or something? B flat. Hey, I was close. I'm a guitar player. We don't like to play in B. Music joke for all the music nerds. So every time you acknowledge what she says. So she comes home and she's like, La 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 You go, really? La la la? Ding. One point. La la dee 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 Oh, so you're saying, dee doo de doo Ding. One point. Oh, la-la-la. dee de, dee de, dee de, Di de, di de, di 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 <laughs> Really? Uh, h- how does that make you feel? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> And you're doing nothing! (laughs) Just every time you focus on the little things, you scoring points, simple acts of kindness. Now, you you got me too. I got a book there. Now, knowing that men need help with this, don't worry guys, we created something for you. It is called 125 Unexpected Acts of Kindness You Can Do for Your Wife. All right? It's the perfect book for guys because it is literally pictures. (laughs) Just turn the page for the next one. You just go through here and you get some ideas, okay? Now, what's funny is when we first had this done, and I was sitting there talking, my, uh, my sister-in-law, who works for us, and, and my sister-in-law, she actually married, like, my best friend. We've known each other since third grade. He and I were roommates, married sisters. It's legal. We checked. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> so I'm sitting there talking, and she's sitting there, and you can hear her going, Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I'm like, what are you doing? She said, I'm going through this, and so far I have not found one thing that he has done yet. <laughs> <laughs> She got into, like, number 17. She's like, okay, I found one. I found one. But anyway, get this. Seriously, simple things, guys. Focus on those simple things. Earn some easy points. The lady's like, yeah. All right, now, ladies. Yeah. (laughs) Now, listen, you know he is quick to give himself huge bonus points for everything he does. So what is a way that a woman can score huge bonus points with her husband? Okay, assuming you can't sleep with your husband every five minutes. <laughs> I've, got some, I've got some other ideas here for you. Okay. That one will pretty much even the score, though. i got to tell you. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> all right. Now, it's this. It's quite simply every time you believe in the man. All right. Now, that might sound like a simple thing to do, especially for all the younger girls who have not been married for very long. That's just because you haven't heard of all the stupid things he's about to come up with. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and listen, now, when he comes up with a dumb idea, you don't have to yell him about it. Listen, he's just venting. He's letting things through. He's thinking things through. Okay? But listen, what happens is a lot of, a lot of ladies, some of you maybe have done this, he'll say something and you shut him down. Oh, you could never do that. Oh, you'd never do that. Oh, I'd never let you do that. And then he gets quiet and you think, okay, I fixed him, but you haven't fixed anything. All you have taught him is he cannot share his dreams with you. That is not a good place to be in because it's like miraculously. He runs into some bimbo who hears one of his ideas and she goes, I think you'd be great at that. (laughs) Oh, uh, really? And now you got yourself in a bad situation. You know that most affairs do not start for sexual reasons. They start for emotional ones. And if your husband thinks he can't share his thoughts, his dreams, his ideas with you, he might go find someone else, all right? So you gotta be there for him, you know? Because one of the things a man needs, it's, it's really the, the thing that I think men most desire in life, is simply when a woman believes in and respects a man. You know, uh, last night, we were talking. I was talking about ladies, and I ended kind of with what women want most out of life. And today I'm going to end with men, what men want more than anything, and that is really just the admiration and seriously, and the admiration and respect of his wife. You know, which by the way, one of the most respectful things you can do for that man is to passionately make love to him. Okay. <laughs> ding 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> Serious points there. Okay. And it's those two things are tied very closely together the respect and that. Okay, but we won't go into that right now for all the younger ones. I won't embarrass anyone. Although it is God's idea, He created it. For this we give you praise, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> all right, just had some church there. All right, amen. <laughs> now, so here's the problem a lot of women say, well, I'll respect him as soon as he earns it. No, no, no. See, respect is far too important for a man to be dependent upon him earning it. All right? In fact, the key to unlocking great potential in any man is to begin respecting him before he earns it. And see, women used to know this, you know, but our culture's gotten all messed up. You know, it's like men used to know how to be lovers to women and stuff, and then they got lazy over the years. And women used to respect and learn how to really appreciate that man. And, stuff, and that's gotten all messed up. Because what happens if you find any family dynamic in movies, television, anything like that, who is the dumbest one in the family every time? The dad. Right? And you joke about it and stuff. And it makes for funny. Movies and television, I'll say that. But if you let that seep in and you start to bring that into your Marriage, you watch out. You know, the truth is that women used to know how to unlock the potential in men, but they've fallen away. But you want to know who knows this about men? God. How many times does God come to some loser and treat him with great respect before he ever deserves it? Right? Think about Jesus when he runs into Simon. He goes, Simon! I'm going to change your name to Peter, which is rock. Man, Simon was more jello than rock, right? But he gives him the respect before he earns it. And then he goes on to become Peter, the rock that the church was built on, right? What about the story of Abram who becomes Abraham? You know, God starts coming down to him and starts giving him all these blessings and these promises. You ever wonder why? Why? he was a great man of faith and power man he was more paste and flour <laughs> he is I mean this is the same guy who's going along with his wife he goes into a city and the king of the city sees his wife and goes hey man who's that woman with you oh her that's, uh, that, that's my sister <laughs> of course the king finds out about this later why did you say that that was your sister I'm sorry I was afraid of you He was fearful, fearful. And what's funny is he does it twice. (laughs) Imagine the look your wife would give you if you did that twice, right? Ah, this, this is my sister. Yeah, good one. (laughs) And it's impressive. Clearly she was a babe. I mean, seriously. You know the first time this happens, you know how old she is? 60. When you are 60 ladies and you walk into a city and the king of that city goes, ho chi mama, who Dad." You, my dear, are a serious babe, okay? So clearly she had it going on, all right? But God comes, he says, you know, I'm going to change your name from Abraham to Abram, which means father of a multitude, which is one of the most respectful things you can say about a man in that culture. You know, he'd walk into towns and he'd go, my name is Abraham. The other guys would go, holy cow, how many kids you got? Yeah, about that. (laughs) Because, see, he got that name way before he had any kids, right? But God gives him that respect, and eventually he does go on to become the father of a great nation. And then there's the story of Gideon. Remember the story of Gideon? It starts, he's hiding out in the basement. Midianites are in town, kicking butt and taking names. So he is hiding out, fearful. And then the spirit of the Lord appears. La, 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 angel of the Lord. And he goes, you are a mighty warrior. Gideon says, no. No, I think you meant the, the, the basement over. <laughs> I'm more of what you would call a girly man. I don't know. You know. He goes, no, you are a man of mighty warrior." And that was when he was at his lowest, his weakest. And then Gideon, man, he goes on to become a grade-A butt kicker. He does. He goes on to win one of the most lopsided military victories in humankind. You know, you guys remember the story, three uh, movie 300? Yeah. Yes, all the men say yes. That's a classic. That's one of the mm-hmm, staples. <laughs> it's a great movie because lots of people get limbs chopped off, which <laughs> for a man that just ministers to our spirit. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> So in this movie There's 300 guys right And they go and they fight And they fight amazingly But at the end they all die You know that Gideon takes 300 guys Takes on a whole army And whoops them You want to know how many guys they lost Zero Not one guy This guy went on to become A serious butt kicker Right He did become a mighty warrior but I tell you what, it happened, and he was given that respect when he was at his lowest. His most fearful, his most cowarding moment is when God spoke great respect to that man, and it changed him. You know, that is the power of when you start to treat a man with great respect before he earns it. Again, women used to know this. You know, people used to say that a key to a great man is a woman who believes in him. You know, it's like the story of a lady who she's in college and she has two guys chasing after her trying to win her affection and she has to choose so she picks this one guy and then the guy shit she marries ends up going on to be mayor of the city and she comes back uh, to the reunion and the other guy that was interested in her came up to her and said hey wow I guess you picked the right guy huh she goes well why would you say that look at him he went on to become mayor of the city she goes, "Oh no, 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 no dear. If I'd have married you, you would have became mayor of the city. <laughs> Such is the power of a woman who believes in a man. So number one, you have to avoid bitterness and resentment. and number two, you have to keep the reset button handy. You say, "What is the reset button?" Well, when I was young, my father uh, really liked to play video games. It was right when all, like, the consoles were coming out. Like, anyone, really, you're all, like, seems like everyone here is, like, way younger than I am. But <laughs> how many people here remember, like, the old Ataris? visions? Yeah! So my dad loved to get these games. And he'd sit there and he'd plug in these games. And, of course, me as a young boy, I'm drawn to video games like a moth to a flame, right? I see those. I was like, Ah! So he would sit there and he'd play these games. Of course, I love it, so I wanted to play with him. You know, so he does. He hands me a controller, and and we're playing. And it, and it dawns on me at some point that my controller doesn't work. <laughs> I said, "It's not working." He goes, "Oh, oh, goodness! I forgot to plug it in." You know, <laughs> so he plugs it in. So now, okay, so now I'm actually playing with my dad. And of course, he's a lot better than I am. I'm just a punk kid, and. Uh, what he would do is he liked to keep it close, okay? He liked the parody in there. And so what he'd do is he'd let me get up in points, and then he'd come back and get close, and then he'd let me get up in points and come back. So in his mind, he thinks I'm having fun with my son. This is fun, keeping it close. That's, that's his mind. My mind, I'm thinking, okay, the point of this game is to destroy your opponent. So I get focused, and while my father is off at work, I am at home honing my craft. And I am working, and I'm getting good at those games. And all of a sudden, the scores get a little bit closer. <laughs> He's getting nervous. All of a sudden, I start beating him. Oh, man, we tried again, you know, and it's close. Well, while he was better than me, he thought, well, let's keep it close. Once I started getting way better than him, I had no such mercy on the old man. All right. I would destroy him. And the more gloriously I could destroy him, the better it was. So I would just crush him. Ha, ha, ha. And he'd go, oh, no, no, no. And then he'd reach over and go, beep, And he'd hit the reset button. Hey, what you doing? Shut up. Let's try it again. We'd get in there and fight, and then I'd start whooping his tail again. and go, ah, beep, And he'd go over and hit the reset button. Come on, stop it. Let's try it again. At some point, That reset button became my dad's favorite button (laughs) because that was the only way that no matter how out of whack the scores got, he could hit it and everything would go back to zero. Would it not be wonderful if God gave us a reset button? Despite how messed up the scores got in your marriage, you could reach over and go, you know God's given us such a button. Now there's a, a story I'll always remember. Uh, my parents would always tell us, and it's a story of them. They um, they were like hippies for Jesus back in the day, and like literally hippies for Jesus. They were got saved at like age sixteen. That's when they were just dopehead uh, hippies. And then they got saved and became hippies for Jesus. There's photos of my dad walking around. He's got a huge afro on. It's hilarious. Anyway, so they they uh, they get married like 18, 18, 19 years old, and then they go onto the missions field. And they're with this Jesus people group, and they traveled all around the world. And in fact, my sister, she was like born in Sweden. All right. And uh, they came back to the States, and they were uh, heading down to Phoenix. That's where I think they were. And the way that these things would work is these were old tent revival meetings. Anyone remember old tent revival meetings? They went and they would uh, set up this tent and they had an evangelist and they would just hold service like every night until the evangelist felt like it was time to go. (laughs) They could be there for two days. They could be there for two months. Who knows? You're just there until you leave. Okay, so they're part of this thing. So what they would do is, uh, you know, my dad and some of the other guys Uh, is during the day before the revival meeting, they would go out and they would like hand out tracks and they would invite people to the meeting, right? So so they're going out and doing that. They're trying to find a place to set up. And so they found this thing that was new to them. They hadn't seen it before. It was called a porno shop. And so they thought, let's set up here. And so they set up in front of this porno shop and as guys came in to go to the porno shop, they'd hand them these tracks about Jesus. And they said it was hilarious because these guys would come in, they'd grab a track and then they'd go, this isn't J.C. JCPenney. What am I doing here? I'm sorry. <laughs> and he's just watching these guys. And they're just, and my dad and his buddy, they thought it was hilarious. So just every day they'd go out there and hey, hey, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, handing out these tracks, just watching these guys just make U turns once they read the thing and go the other way. Now, while my dad and his buddies were having a wonderful time, the guy who owned the porno shop, not so much. And now, see, there was no end date on these things. This guy had no idea when they were going to leave. For all he knew, they were going to be there for another year. You know, so he's thinking, man, what am I going to do? And he gets desperate. And you know, desperate people tend to do desperate things. So what this guy thinks is like, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to kill the evangelist. (laughs) Serious. So he hires a hitman. And the hitman is going to go to the you know, tent revival service and shoot the evangelist. Now, the plan was right at the beginning of the tent meeting, the evangelist would come out and he'd welcome everyone right in the beginning, okay? So the idea was the hitman was gonna kill the evangelist right in the beginning and then take off in the confusion. So the hitman comes, he's there, you know, ready at the beginning of the meeting. And, uh, you know, my dad said, he's like, I'll never forget this. He said, the evangelist came uh, to the guys in the band, because my dad was in the band, he said, hey, I'm not feeling real well. Can you guys just start without me? And they go, sure. So the band goes out there and starts. They start singing, you know, old gospel hymns. Like, Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. And this killer is stuck in a survival meeting. <laughs> and then... The worship leader says, okay, now, for the second verse, we're going to sing, makes me love everybody. And when we sing, makes me love everybody, I want you to get up, go find someone, give them a hug. So they start singing it, and now this killer is sitting there stuck, like, getting hugs by old grannies and stuff. Like, oh, Jesus loves you. oh thank you. Well, the guy's just freaked out now. <laughs> and finally, the evangelist, he starts feeling better. He comes out to the stage, and now the killer's just shell-shocked. He just sits there. And now he listens to the story. And he hears this evangelist tell him about how God so loved him that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for his sins, that he could have eternal life. And then at the end, they did the altar call, had people come up, and this killer gets up. And he goes and he falls on his knees at the altar. And the counselor comes over next to him. And the killer says, I can't do it. I can't do it. And the counselor's there with him. The counselor says, yes, you can. In fact, God wants you to do it. And he's there. No. And then he pulls out the gun. (laughs) Okay, no, no, you can't do that. (laughs) And that's how they found out the story about this guy and what he was there to do. Now listen, you may not hire a hitman. I sure hope that you do not. (laughs) All right? But see, the truth is when somebody hurts us, we want to get back at them. We want them to pay. And the way that we make them pay is to say, I will never forgive you for what you did to me. The problem there is the only person that that hurts is the one who won't forgive. See, unforgiveness is like taking poison and hoping the other one dies. (laughs) The only one that hurts is the one who will not forgive. Say, well, that's that's good and fine, Phil, but you, you don't know what she did to me. You don't know what he did to me. You know, I've tried to forgive, but I can't. Sure you can. See, I just don't think you understand what forgiveness is. See, forgiveness is an act, it is not an emotion, and it is not an erasure of memory. See, forgiveness is something that has more to do with your tongue than it does with your heart. You know, you might feel the pain of what that person did until the day you die, but it has nothing to do with unforgiveness. See, forgiveness is when you very simply state to someone, I forgive you. I will never use it against you in the future, and I will never speak of it again. You know, you cannot control what you feel. You cannot control what you remember. You can, however, control what you say, and if there's one telltale sign of a person who can't get over unforgiveness they never stop talking about it i'm sure you've heard some people like that maybe it's you couples who are constantly reminding each other i remember what you did i remember what you did you called me fat 37 years ago i'll never forgive you for that (laughs) it's like shh shh it's okay you forgive especially for all the people here who have committed their life to christ today you know the bible's real clear you know Say the Lord's Prayer. Forgive me. As I forgive others. Right? Yeah. You gotta forgive. And listen, God chooses to forgive you. You know, I know you th- in the Bible talk about, you know, he forgets it as far as the East is from the West. But that's a choice for him. Do you think that he really can't remember? There is something about you I remember really ticks me off. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. No, he chooses to forgive. So and we need to do the same thing. Now, back to where we started. Who did you decide on? Well, God comes in and he goes, you know what? I already decided. Okay, God, which one did you choose? He says, I'm choosing number five. Really? Number five, you mean Bathsheba? The, the reason that she's there is because of lust, lying, adultery, and murder? You're going to choose her? She's going to be the mother of the next king of Israel, eventually go on to be the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus? He says, yeah. In fact, if you read your Bible, you find out that's what happens. It is her that goes on to become that mother. You know, and it's such a weird story. See, you could make the argument that had it not been for lust, lying, adultery, and murder, King Solomon would have never been born. You could make the argument that had it not been for lust, lying, adultery, or murder, that Jesus would have never been born. You say, well, then praise God that happened? <laughs> no, no, no. It was never supposed to happen. Yeah. You know, even the writers of the Old Testaments and, and in the New Testament—they couldn't, they couldn't, they didn't understand this thing. In fact, you go through, you read in Matthew, it's, it opens up, it goes to the genealogy of how we got to where we are. You know, when it comes across her, they can't even call her by name because it doesn't make any sense to them. They don't, they don't call her by name. They call her the wife of Uriah. Uriah was the dude that David had killed off. See, it didn't make any sense. You say, well, I, I, I don't get it. This, this doesn't make any sense. You say, yeah, but that's the power of the reset button. See, I think God took this chance to show that he can take take your biggest mistake, your worst disaster, the biggest failure in your life and turn it into something so beautiful it will not make sense to anyone. In fact, you may be here this afternoon and you say, you know what, Phil, I've never actually made that decision in my life to follow Jesus at all. And maybe there's a longing inside of you that says, man, you should see my past. I I think God's going to wear out the reset button on me. But it's fine. See, I want to give you guys an opportunity today. If you have never made that commitment to follow Jesus, I want to give you guys that opportunity today to make that step forward in faith to say, I no longer want to live like I was. I want to forget this. I want to move forward, God. And I don't know what that all means. I don't, maybe I don't know everything. I feel like, do I know enough? Am I good enough? It, no, it doesn't matter. See, God shows that he gets you wherever you're at. The Bible is full of stories of that, of people who deserve nothing. And God gave everything. So if you would, if that's you today, you have people come forward if you're okay. I just invite you to come forward. And I would just like to invite you to come forward. I want to say a simple prayer with you. And if you say this prayer, that it's the first step in your life on this new journey of following Jesus. So if that's you, I just ask for you to come forward at this time. Get first step. What I'm going to have everyone do if that's you, you come forward. If you're in your seat and you're thinking, man, there's no way I'm getting out of my seat to step forward. That's okay. I'm not going to force you. No, we have people that will drag you forward. No, just kidding. (laughs) We will find you. That's okay. What I want is I want to say a prayer. And I want everyone in here to repeat it after me. And if you say this prayer and you believe it in your heart, the Lord will see you. He will come away and He will wash away those sins. He'll hit the bleep reset button in your life. So if you would, I just ask everyone to bow your heads. If you would, just repeat after me. You could say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to You. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. I freely choose Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and help me to learn your ways. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at Hungry Gin. Stay blessed and we'll see you next week.